Welcome to episode 11 of the Teaching While Learning podcast. Now that you've made your way here, I hope you're ready to dive deeper into the ESL industry and get a glance at what it has to offer. The TWL podcast is dedicated to placing you in the shoes of current and former ESL teachers by bringing you their stories, experiences, and opinions. I'm your host, Tim Hillebrand. On today's episode, an experienced ESL recruiter joins me to discuss how new and veteran teachers can stand out amongst the vast amounts of people looking to teach abroad. She also hits on what kind of people typically enjoy the ESL lifestyle and how to prepare for your adventure once you land a job. Let's jump into my chat with Lauren Klein. Today we have a very special guest. We finally have a recruiter joining us today. Lauren Klein, how are you today? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, I've told you many times, you're actually doing me the favor because, you know, you're, you know, passing your information along to everybody else. So I should say thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to be on here and I'm glad that we got connected on LinkedIn. Yeah, well, that's what it's for. So there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's kind of jump into this and why don't you just give the listeners right. a little bit of background on how you got involved in the ESL industry. Um, after I reached out to you on LinkedIn, I found out that you used to work here in Taiwan and you used to live very close to where I'm currently living. Well, I will go ahead and just take you back um, when I was in college. So I went to Kansas State University. I graduated with a secondary education degree and I knew I didn't want to live in Kansas anymore. I didn't have a lot of money. I knew that I couldn't uplift my life to a new state after graduation. So I went to my academic advisor to talk about my concerns and she brought up the idea about teaching abroad and I never thought about leaving the country before because I didn't have that much experience. You know, she advised me to go to a job fair in Iowa, which was about a seven hour drive where I was. So I decided to go and I used my birthday money to pay the $200 fee. While I was uh, there, a school invited me for an interview and the school was in Taipei, Taiwan. I ended up not getting the position because they filled it before our interview. So I walked away kind of feeling discouraged, but I did more research about Taiwan and I decided that's where I wanted to go. I didn't want to go anywhere else. <laughs> I found an agency. I didn't do a whole lot of research on that agency and I kind of regretted it. You know, when I talked to the agency, we talked over Skype for about five to 10 minutes. I can't remember exactly what type of questions they asked me, but I remember it was shockingly short. The next day, I got an email with a contract stating the recruitment agency would place me at a school, um, and I only had three days to sign the contract. Fast forward, I ended up signing it, and they placed me at a school where they were going under investigation for embezzlement. So first year, um, you know, out of college, first year of teaching, new country, and I, they just placed me at this school. That was my first semester. So I taught the secondary level, middle and high school. So the second um, semester, the agency actually placed me at a different school. It was an international Canadian primary school. Uh, where I had a much better experience there. Um, I really enjoyed the teachers there. Um, I love the age group. So overall, the agency I went through was fine, but I think there was a lot of misunderstandings 
and culture shock that I went through. I didn't really feel supported through the process. And I actually got deported from Taiwan um, because the agency didn't tell me about my visa expiring. So, you know, they placed me out of school that was going under embezzlement. I got deported. I had, you know, mixed feelings about this whole entire um, process of working with an agency. But overall, you know, I had the time of my life in Taiwan. I went into the ESL industry because I want to support people who want to do this. And I don't want people who are thinking about going abroad to feel in the dark. Um, I want them to have a lifetime experience. Well, I think, I think it's, um, I, don't, I can't think of a better word other than incredible that you actually still wanted to be involved in the ESL industry after getting deported and then, you know, ending yeah. up at, a, at a, a school that was, you said, was being investigated for embezzlement. The, the school was actually was stealing money from um, the students and the library. Um, it was just a bad place to be. I knew that there are a lot of agencies like this, unfortunately, and I, I just knew in my gut that I had to get involved um, into the ESL industry so this doesn't happen to somebody else. You know, unfortunately, I can't stop every sketchy agency out there, but at least I can help people. So then what would you say are some of the upsides to using a recruiting service? So there's many, there's many benefits that, um, that come with, you know, working with an agency. One of them is your recruiter will likely know the hiring manager directly. Um, so you won't be in an, another faceless resume in a stack of eager applicants. Recruitment agencies also partner with a large number of different schools. So by applying to a recruiting agency, you're essentially putting yourself in touch with a large number of schools. This not only increases the likelihood of getting a job offer, but it also improves the odd of you landing your dream job. You know, a recruiter's number one goal is to get you hired. And until that happens, they will do their best to educate you, prepare you, and coach you through all the aspects of an interview and hiring process. But, you know, as I mentioned before, there's so many agencies out there. So you have to find the one that you are comfortable with and who is knowledgeable and passionate in helping you make selections. You know, read those reviews and use your common sense and you'll just be fine. What can applicants do to make sure that they're not going to be uh, left without a, a ride to their office after arriving? First off, as I, I'm going to keep mentioning here, is there's so many agencies out there. You know, make sure you read the reviews of that agency. You know, does, this, does the agency have good reviews? Um, you know, no matter how much research you do, you will run into forums that have people who hate recruiters and will tell you that they want your, mon your, they want your money, they don't care about you, and so on. And, you know, that's not true. People who hate recruiters usually have a negative experience with one in the past. You know, for instance, maybe they were placed at a school that were being investigated for embezzlement. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, if you do do um, an interview with a recruiter, you know, ask more about the process. Ask about, okay, let's say I get hired. What are you going to do to support me? Do you just go off and say bye and good luck and I'm by myself? Or are you going to be here with me, helping me through the visa process? Are you going to check in with me when I arrive to the country? Are you going to be in contact 
um, with me um, after, um, you know, my first day or my first week? Am I going to have a good support system from you? Fortunately, it just seems like you gotta gotta take a leap of faith as well. Mm-hmm. You can't. You don't have all of the answers. And that's um, you know, that's just that's teaching abroad. You know, it is. you you definitely have to take a leap of faith with the agency that you're working with, and also you just have to take the plunge and you know get out there, get out of your comfort zone, and just explore a new country. Great advice. You're perfect for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's kind of dive a little bit deeper into the recruitment process. I mean, sure. you're, you're a recruiter, so you know you can tell us some, you know, some more stuff about that. The whole process. You focus your efforts on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I found you, and we also you also told me that that's where you do most of it. You don't really use mm-hmm. many other places um, when recruiting. Why, why is that? I like to use LinkedIn a lot more than other platforms just because it's a place where there's an endless amount of connections. It's a professional-based platform where you can share ideas, read each other's articles, collaborate, um, have a deeper discussion on those articles, and also just meet a new friendly face like I, you know, did with you. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I use it a lot more than others just because it's professional. There are other platforms like Facebook and Craigslist and WeChat. There are also great platforms that I also use, but they don't give off the formal aspect that I'm looking for. So a a good example, um, you know, we got connected on LinkedIn. I met someone new and someone I can talk to about Taiwan. And also I gained this great opportunity to be on your podcast. When I put ads on WeChat at times, I get cussed out because I'm a recruiter or they just didn't like the ad that I posted. And it could be several reasons, um, but I'm just more drawn to LinkedIn just because it's just a professional platform. I, I can only, after spending three years in China and using WeChat, I can only imagine what gets said to you on WeChat after posting an ad. I can only imagine. <laughs> I don't think I can repeat it on here. Oh, well, you know, I mean, you, you can. It's all right. It's not, you know, it's not a big deal. <laughs> Way too dirty stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> How can a first-time teacher stand out against all of the, the professionals that are on LinkedIn? For you to stick out, you can add what experience do you have with kids? Do you have um, experience tutoring or nannying, babysitting? Do you volunteer? Um, You know, other things can be, do you have a TEFL certificate? You know, if not, that's okay. Um, You can always get one later, but what other certificates do you have? Do you have CPR first aid certificates? Are you involved in any student organizations? Before my interest in Taiwan, I wanted to go to Brazil. So I joined the Brazilian uh, student um, organization on campus and I met a lot of people. I learned about the food and the culture and the language and I put that on my resume. Another great thing is to also record an introduction video, just a short one to two minute introduction video, put it on YouTube or another platform and put it on your resume. You know, I think this is a great way to make yourself stand out from the other applicants because not a lot of people have a video link on their resume, but you can just click and schools can watch. That will definitely um, make you stick out. 
is it good for them to show that they are able to adapt to different cultures and somehow kind of like what you did by joining the student was it the student union you said you can always add um what places you've traveled um have you been out of the country even if it's the bahamas or anywhere um showing that you have traveled out of the country is a great place to start it's funny that you say that because that actually got my got me my very first interview um, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I put the only time I traveled outside of the U.S. before I moved to Taiwan was on missions trips with my church, and mm-hmm. I just I put that on my resume, and yeah, it certainly helped because they asked me several questions about it. That's such a great idea. It could be it could be the thing that schools see, and they just invite you for an interview, just like what happened to you. Yeah, I think it also shows them that the the applicant has a better chance of staying put as well. I know. Mm-hmm. Recruiters and schools in, in, in particular have uh, or always have a nagging fear that somebody just isn't going to cut it after getting to their to their school and then, you know, just leave abruptly. Mm-hmm. So, right. And that that is a that is a big fear that schools and even recruiters, um, you know, think about as well. You know, you never want to have a teacher have a horrible time or get up and leave and do a midnight run. Well, that brings me to my next question then. Um, what can a seasoned teacher do to stand out? I would say be specific about your teaching experience. So um, I know I look at resumes every single day. Um, don't just put teacher. Um, what kind of teacher are you? Are you a math teacher? And if you are a math teacher, what type of math do you teach? What grades? Are you an ESL teacher? Great. What grades do you teach? What are your responsibilities? What type of curriculums have you used? Have you used AP, British, IB experience? And also, what are you involved in with the school? Are you involved in any clubs? Do you coach any sports after school? Another thing is, too, is have you done any professional development trainings? I know a lot of private and international schools and even some public schools out there, they do pay for professional development trainings. Putting that on your resume is great. And I would also say the most important thing is make sure you add the months on your uh, on the employment. Schools like to see that you're not jumping around everywhere. They want to make sure that you are stable and that you're loyal to schools. Well, speaking of resumes, let's talk a little bit about the worst one that you've ever seen. <laughs> the worst one. Okay. <laughs> So um, this was this is gonna be really hard just because uh, you know there are <laughs> I don't not I don't trying know, to be mean <laughs> I don't know how to react to that <laughs> <laughs> not trying to be mean but the the first one that comes to mind though um, I believe it was an art teacher I think they were just trying to show their creativity through the resume which I think is a bad idea just because if you are going to show your creativity, just send us your art portfolio. Don't show it in your resume. But it was about five pages long. The background of the resume were splotches of different colored of paint. There were pink, blue, neon yellow, orange, and purple. And it was just really, it was a lot. Um, And she also used um, the Gigi styled font. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gigi, but it's it's basically a fancy uh, cursive type of font. It's fun, but it's just not professional. 
also, you know, on the first page of her resume, you know, she had her, her name, the contact information, and then a big photo of herself that she took on Snapchat. Um, are you, are you familiar with Snapchat? Uh, unfortunately, yes. I don't have an account, but I know exactly <laughs> what it is. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So she actually used one of the, the Snapchat filter um, she used and it was the golden butterflies um, crown that she had on her head and her eyes were all glassy, which was a bit creepy, but I would say, you know, that was probably the worst I have seen. Also, I forgot to mention that the color of the font, she used different types of colors. So one line or one sentence um, was in purple. What, the next sentence was in blue. The next sentence was in orange. And so she made this uh, this rainbow looking thing on her resume, which was Again, neat, but not professional. That resume sounds like it just wreaked havoc on your eyes just trying to read it. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit much. It just kind of seems that the person ate a bunch of Skittles and just kind of threw up on the resume. <laughs> <laughs> what about the best one you've seen? Yes. So um, the best that I have seen, it was an English teacher. It was two pages. They put down their curriculum. They had a teaching demo link um, embedded in the resume. And also they had, they have, um, everything was linked on his, on his resume. So for example, when uh, the part on his resume, he mentioned that he had a teaching license and you can actually click the resume and um, you can click the teaching license. It actually, you know, goes to a different, different page where it shows his actual teaching license. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, and then same thing on his certificates. He put down that he has this and this. Um, so when you click on them, um, another page will open up and it, you see his scanned certificate and his diplomas and it was very interactive it was a great it was a creative way to to show schools that I have all of these certificates and you can see them all right here on my resume you know it wasn't too flashy it was straight to the point it was two pages so you don't you didn't have to scroll through 11 pages I would say that was that's the best that I have seen Awesome. And I, I'm assuming that the links took you to like a Dropbox or Google Drive kind of thing. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's very, very simple to embed links within your resume. For everybody mm -hmm. out there, it's control K. There you go. Yep. <laughs> you've looked through, I'm, I'm assuming, just hundreds and hundreds of resumes. So mm -hmm. you've got to have pinpointed a few things that make people excel in the ESL industry. I believe it takes a person that can be flexible and adaptable to make teaching abroad um, a career or even a one-time thing. I talk to a lot of people every day who I know right off the bat who can make it, and some people just need more time to think about what they're getting into. So, for example, the people that I sometimes encounter have a lot of high expectations. You know, they want everything to be um, perfect and go um, everything to go smoothly and they think that they can adjust to a new culture right away and nothing will go wrong 
And that's just not life, you know. I wish life was like that, but it isn't. You know, in interviews, I usually ask, what have you done to prepare yourself for the cultural differences? And, you know, some answers I get is, you know, oh, nothing. I just want to go. It seems cool. I saw this person on Instagram who's doing it, and it just seems cool. And that's awesome. You know, if you saw that person on Instagram traveling and that sparked your motivation, that's great. Let's go for it. But let's pause for a moment and think about, you know, the decision that you're going to make because it's a big, it's a big thing to think about to go and travel the world and teach for a year or two. Um, You know, my advice is just do your research, prepare, talk to people who have experience teaching abroad in that area or studied abroad in that area, Um, read blogs, watch videos. And I would say overall, have a positive attitude and open mind. You're not at home. So embrace the culture and meet new people and step out of your comfort zone. Excellent advice. Well, let's move into your, to your pre-screen. So this is a, a company-wide thing. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. It is. It is. Okay. So everybody, all of the recruiters do a pre-screen. But when we were speaking, you said that it was matchmaking for ESL jobs. And I thought that was great. Uh, <laughs> I kind of chuckled at it as well. What, is that, what does that exactly mean? I love telling my teachers and people overall that we are a matchmaking surface, uh, service, but for jobs. Um, my job is to get you hired for that position that you're looking for, not just a position. And if you think about it, it's like online dating. You fill out a profile, you get matched, you go on a few dates, and finally you found the one. As I mentioned, I want people to be happy with their new position. I never want them to say, I'm just settling. There's nothing else out there for me. That's not true. Everyone has a soulmate. Everyone deserves to find a job that they're looking for. So um, that's why I say it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, we're a matchmaking service, but with jobs. <laughs> But, and I also guarantee there's a lot less stress into this form of matchmaking. So. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> As you're talking to different people or applicants in deciding where they're best suited to teach, do you find that people are better suited for one country over another? I'm assuming, you know, schools like their teachers to be dressed fully and completely. <laughs> So I mean, so they might not want certain ones that you've spoken to before, but. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, again, the answer is yes. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just talk a little bit more about the UAE. Um, I see a lot of people who want to go to the United Arab Emirates, mainly for the great salaries and benefits you get. So over there, you get a tax-free salary, free housing, flights, tuition, medical bonuses, professional development, and a lot more. Um, You know, though, the schools over there, they offer all of these things because they expect a lot from their teachers. They want a teacher who is going to give um, 110% every single day to get involved with after school activities, to cover a few classes as a substitute, and so on. So, most schools in the UAE also want someone to sign a two to three year contract. They really push for that three year 
um, just because they pay for the professional development and curriculum trainings. So the school wants to invest um, in the teacher and hope that the teacher can grow with the school. So a person who does the bare minimum or doesn't get involved with the school probably won't be a good fit for these UAE schools that are offering these type of packages. But if you are the type of person who wants to grow with the school, who um, does um, get involved in your current um, school right now, the UAE would be a great fit um, for you. Well, then let's kind of jump into um, another aspect of mm -hmm. the agency that you work with, um, your partner schools. I thought mm -hmm. this was kind of interesting because you actually do a lot of vetting before you form a partnership mm -hmm. with a school. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I was told beforehand that this is top secret and we can't go into <laughs> it, um, but maybe you could just uh, briefly outline what the process is like and how you bring schools on board into this partnership program. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think I told you this before. Um, I am a part of the Teaching Nomad business development team. So, I take a large portion of my time every week to do research on what schools are out there and um, what we can assist um, or how we can assist them with their recruitment. So LinkedIn is a great example of getting um, connected with admins, reading articles about certain schools, or even doing a quick Google search on what schools are in certain areas. So once I, once I click on a school's website, I do my research of, you know, what curriculums do they use? Um, I read through their mission, their mission and vision statements. And of course, I see if they have an established international department. So, um, this can be a school, um, or I can see that this can be a school that we can work with. Um, I then try to get connected with the principal or HR, the hiring manager by email or message, um, you know, on LinkedIn, or even um, trying to connect with them over WeChat to set up a meeting. Once a meeting has been established, I ask a few questions about their school um, and what they're looking for a candidate. But before we decide to sign a contract um, with a school, we set up a meeting with two to three other um, foreign teachers that's confidential, um, you know, away from the HR and the principals and everything. And I ask them the important questions like, how was your uh, onboarding process? Do you get paid on time? Are you happy? Is the school organized? You know, what is the most frustrating thing about the school? What do you like about the school? And we do, we do this to get a sense of what it's like for the staff working there. And if everything checks out and seems to be um, a school that we can work with, um, then we'll definitely sign them up on board. But of course, we have schools um, that fail our vetting process, and we have to tell them no. And, you know, it, it sucks sometimes just because you really do um, – you know, hope to help the school out. We have to think about our teachers and we don't want to send teachers over there that aren't going to be happy or aren't going to be safe. Um, you know, our, our main aspect is to have the teacher be happy and have an overall great experience. Which countries do you currently have partnerships in? 
mainly we work with China and the UAE, but we have extended um, out to other locations as well. So right now we have Saudi Arabia, we have Oman, we have Taiwan, South Korea, uh, Thai Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, and other locations as well. Our biggest growing markets is China and the UAE. Um, right now, we are trying to really hit hard and expand on Thailand and Vietnam right now, just because we are seeing a lot of growth there. Um, a lot of teachers want to go there. There's um, more opportunities that are coming up in that area. All right, well, let's kind of wind down here. If people want to take that leap into teaching, how can they contact you? I can be contacted by email. Um, it's lauren.klein at teachingnomad.com. I also have a WeChat, so which is Lauren Teaching Nomad, all lowercase. Um, you can also add me on LinkedIn. Um, I believe you have um, my LinkedIn account. I'm not sure if you would like to post this on the podcast um, websites. Um, you can just type my name into LinkedIn. It's Lauren and then K-L-E-I-N and 93. That should go straight to my profile. I also have a uh, LinkedIn group that I uh, started a couple months ago, actually, and it's up. It's Almost to a thousand people. Um, so I'm really oh, proud of it. Oh, stop bragging! <laughs> <laughs> but you can also get um, get connected on there. It's called Teach Abroad Opportunities Discussion Board Blogs Advice and Job Postings. I'm very flexible with my communication. I'd love to talk to you guys more. I'd love to assist you with your dream job. So you can get a hold of me um, those ways. Awesome. And I'll make sure I'll make sure to have all of that information in, in the show notes for everybody as well. And just to just to let you know, the the group that Lauren just mentioned, the Teach Abroad Opportunities in LinkedIn, it, it's a pretty good group. There are lots of really decent jobs in there. So if you're hunting for jobs, I would certainly um, you know, go and check that out. It's not it's a lot different than Facebook. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, again, Lauren, I just really want to thank you for, for coming on. I know it's early in the morning where you are, so I'm sure you've had a, a few coffees beforehand. So I have. Yeah, thank I you know. so much. <laughs> of course, of course. I had a lot of fun. So Me too. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem. All right. Well, take care, Lauren. All right. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of the Teaching While Learning podcast? Head on over to your favorite podcast service to subscribe, leave a review, or offer up some constructive feedback on what you just heard. We also have a growing community on LinkedIn, so if you'd like to connect with other like-minded ESL professionals, search for Teaching While Learning and join us. I appreciate you clicking on this episode, and I hope to have you back.